Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. So I have to confess that I am separated. Secondly, I have to repent. If I was walking this way, repent means I turn around and I walk this way. Now, I just don't walk this way for no reason at all. That's the third point. The reason I walk this way is because I'm following Jesus Christ. That's the major key, the problem with people who have come to the altar, signed a card, did whatever. They go home, they have this little experience, and then they never follow Jesus Christ. And our question is, can they be lost? Our question should really be, were they ever saved? You and I, as brothers and sisters, are a part of the body of Christ. Jesus is our head. Now, if we decide to do things on our own, in our own understanding, not following after the plan of our head, what do you think will happen? What if you want to go left and I want to go right? And what if neither of those directions are in the plan that Jesus has for us? Sounds confusing, doesn't it? Well, sadly, that's how the body oftentimes tries to operate. We all have our own ideas of what ministry is supposed to look like. We all have our skewed ideas of what's right and wrong. The only way we will ever find unity is by submitting to the truth of God's Word. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. I'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 22, as he begins our message entitled, Don't Be Divided. morning we're going to talk about companionship, oneness, being united. Jesus is going to use marriage in the home as an illustration of what companionship should be like. Now, to bring us to the chapter of Mark that we're in, we have to look at Matthew because Mark always gets right to the point. Unlike this Mark, I take a long time to get to the point. Mark gets there and we don't understand sometimes where he came from because he forgets Sometimes important things. So let's look at Matthew 12, verse 22 and 23, and you'll see what took place. Then we'll skip right over to Mark. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man. They brought Jesus, a demon-possessed man, who was, number one, blind and mute. He, he couldn't speak, and he couldn't see. And Jesus healed him. Now, the reason for his not being able to see and not being able to speak was a demon. Not all sicknesses certainly come from demons, but this was one. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Now turn over to Mark. So we have a conflict in the making. Jesus approaches a man who is demon-possessed. As you see there, he can't see and he can't speak. Jesus casts the demon out and heals him. The people, the general people there go, this has got to be the Messiah. There's no other explanation. Who could do this? Who has the power to do this? It has to be the Messiah. Well, we have another understanding. We have another viewpoint that comes to us in Mark chapter 3.22 in our passage this morning. And the teachers of the law, now these were the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jewish nation who came down from Jerusalem. 
Now what you see here is something very important. Jesus is in Capernaum up by the Sea of Galilee. His popularity grew so much that not only were the religious leaders there upset, but now from Jerusalem, 100 miles away, came some more religious leaders and said, we have to come to an answer about this problem of this person who says he's the Messiah. We have to stop this right now. We have to find a way to kill this man. So they're sending this group of people from Jerusalem. And they came, and here is their, after seeing what happened, being explained what happened, here is their explanation of what Jesus was doing. He, Jesus, is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Now, if you looked at that situation, there was no question in anybody's mind. If this morning we had a person standing before us who couldn't see and couldn't speak and was caused by a demon, and if Jesus said, in my name, in the power of God, demon, you come out of him, release him and open his eyes and may he speak. And if this person opened their eyes and spoke, there wouldn't be any doubt in any of our minds this morning that Jesus had the power to heal and to cast out demons. So that's evident. The power is there. It's very simple to see what's happening. Now, the crowd sees it. It's not a complicated thing. But the religious leaders are trying to come up with their own explanation because they do not want to believe Jesus is the Messiah. You see, there comes a place in every person's life where your will is involved in salvation. You will see how far a person will go to say this morning that Jesus is not the Messiah. Some of you here this morning have already come to that place and you have a list of arguments as to why the Bible isn't true, why God couldn't be God, we're all God, and you have all these things and that's because of your will. You've decided against all proof that you are right. This is what they were going to do. Well, what were they saying was the explanation then for this man who could see and this explanation for this man who could talk. Here it is. He is possessed by the devil, Beelzebub. Now, Beelzebub was just a really an Old Testament term which means Lord of the house or Lord of the flies. It's a reference to Satan in his underworld kingdom, the head of the demonics. The scribes were saying this, this man, Jesus, was in a working relationship with Satan. He was in his league. He had joined the kingdom of Satan, and Satan gave Jesus the power to cast out demons. Interesting logic. Jesus is going to give them his logic, and he's going to say to them basically this, why would educated people, the most educated people in the things of God, go around the whole solution and come up with something that's totally illogical? Now, he's going to do this this morning with something called a parable. The parable is a teaching tool. Jesus would use a, a story, an illustration, actual lifeline illustration. He would take the story and place it right next to his teaching and then grab the audience and say, okay, get right in the middle of this and now you make a decision about what I'm telling you. You're going to see all the facts. You have to make the decision. Let's come to verse 24 and here he starts and he says this. If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. Point number one. The word divide there 
divided there in the Greek is disunited. Disunited, to differ, two opposing sides. So how many remember the era of the Vietnam War? Was this country united or divided? Big time divided. And if it would have gone on, this principle that Jesus gives says this, it would have what? Destroyed this nation. But we came to a resolution. So Jesus was saying this, would Satan really drive himself out of his own people? The goal of Satan is always to enslave you and me. That's why this demon-possessed man was just such. He was possessed. Satan, if he was using his own power to drive people out of his own kingdom, this would mean in the kingdom of Satan there would be civil war. If that was true, eventually if the war goes on, the kingdom of Satan couldn't stand. So that's Jesus' first logic. Look at verse 25. If a house is divided against what? Itself, a house. Now, a house, everybody lives in a house, whether it's a boathouse, a tent, a pup tent in the backyard when you're not being good husbands, whatever it is. Everybody lives in a house. So this has to do with us. In fact, the real essence coming all the way down to it is my own house, my own temple. If I'm divided in my own mind against my own self, James talks about that, an unstable man in both his ways. We're, we're torn both ways. So this is a very important principle. If a house is divided against itself, that house, what? Cannot stand. So Jesus is applying this ill-fated logic to a home, and we'll see that a little later on in our teaching. Verse 26. If Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand. His end has come. So here's what Jesus says. If indeed the kingdom of Satan is in civil war and it's divided, then the power and the kingdom of Satan would end. Let me ask you this morning, in Jesus' time, had the power and the kingdom of Satan ended? Obviously not. People were possessed. Let's bring it 2,000 years ahead. Has the power of Satan and his kingdom been destroyed this morning? No, it isn't. So what Jesus is trying to say is your logic is totally wrong. Now, you remember there is a day coming when his power is going to be terminated. That's after the thousand year reign of peace while we're here. He'll be loosed one more time. The armies of God will destroy him. He'll be cast into the lake of fire with all the unbelievers. But Jesus was trying to show by his logical defense that the Pharisees' charge was totally false. And Jesus' power could not be coming from Satan. So now he's going to give us a wonderful picture. And let's look at verse 27. Jesus says, in fact, or in other words, to prove what I just said to you, I'm not in the kingdom of Satan. To prove this, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then... He can rob his house. So this is a vivid picture. Let, let's just uh, give it an illustration this morning in a practical sense. What, what is he trying to say here in a religious sense? We'll give the practical one first. Say this afternoon you want to take a little drive and you head over the causeway and you turn right and you get Melbourne Beach. And 
You're driving in Melbourne Beach. How many have ever driven around that looking at the houses on the, on the waterfront there? How many did it without lust and envy in your heart? This joke. Okay. So you're driving there and, and you see this and you read in the newspaper about a man who lives there. He lives in a $3 million house and you drive by it. Now as you drive by the house, you notice, because you remembered the article, that this man was a multimillionaire. In fact, he bragged that he kept a million dollars in his safe in the house. Also, his wife had obviously many jewels, and there were wonderful rich paintings, millions of dollars in the house. Now, the reason this man bragged in the newspaper was this. As the owner, he had security, had the latest security system. He had servants who had machine guns, and he himself was armed, and he never left the house. Now, Jesus' question is, and no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first does what? Ties up the owner. Well, how in the world could you do that? How could you ever get through all of this mess, the security, the servants, and in fact get to the man and tie him up so that you could take the jewels and the money and, and leave? How could you do that? Well, today, you know, we go to movies to see how we do that. James Bond to the rescue or whatever, and he, he would do that only in the movies. Now we come to the spiritual application. You may want to write these down. The strong man is Satan. His servants are demons. His house is his kingdom. And his possessions are people who are enslaved by their sin and in total bondage. So what we have this morning is this. Picture it. Let's picture this as a house. Satan's kingdom. In there, Satan is the strong man. He rules. He has demons to help him rule. His greatest possessions, as always, are people. And he has them bound in their sin. Now, who could possibly come in and tie up Satan, as it were, and release these individuals who are in sin like the individual was with the deafness, uh, the uh, sight and the muteness. Who, who could do that? Spiritually, there's only one that could do that. Who is it? Jesus Christ. You see, the answer was, Jesus said, I'm the guy that's been attacking your house. I don't live in your house. I'm not part of your house. I've been attacking your house, your kingdom. And Satan, you just saw a very good picture of it. I bound you and released this man to total healing. I have the power. Write this verse down because it shouldn't surprise you. 1 John 3.8 says this, The reason the Son of God appeared, came to this earth, was to destroy the devil's work. That's why Jesus came. And in this prelude, before he would go to the cross, he was giving glimpses of his wonderful, wonderful power. The, the importance of this power is to understand one thing. When Jesus goes back to heaven, he transfers that power to be able to tie up Satan to us, to the believers. The authority power in action has been given to you and I as believers. 
You know, we hear people all the time going around, bind you, Satan, bind you, Satan, bind. Sometimes we don't understand what that means, and sometimes they are just using it in the wrong terminology. We'll go through that this morning. So, Jesus gives them a vivid picture, and what he's saying to the Pharisees is, your logic is wrong. I'm not in the kingdom of Satan. That's stupid. Satan's kingdom is alive. I'm from the kingdom of God. And I am the Messiah, whether you want to believe it or not. I am the Messiah. It's plain. It's evident. There's no other explanation. It's right in front of you. Now, what are you going to do with the truth? What are you going to do with the truth? And he answers that by verse 28. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. Now, if you don't have that verse underlined in your Bible, you have to. That's one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. We always want to pay attention to the next two verses when we're going to talk about the unpardonable sin, but look how Jesus starts. This is a fantastic promise. And here's what he really says as he goes through it. Listen, Jesus had been speaking of kingdoms. You and I know there are two opposing kingdoms. The kingdom of God, where God rules. And the kingdom of Satan, where Satan rules. The strong man in his house. God created the world with one kingdom. It was his kingdom. Satan, serving as an angel, decided one day in his pride that he wanted to live independent of God. He wanted to be equal to God. And Satan brought, listen, you're going to hear this word for the first time now. Satan brought division to the kingdom of God in heaven. Division. First time. Satan divided God's kingdom because of his sin. Write this little thing down this morning. You're going to hear it if you forget everything else all day. Just remember this. Satan divides. God unites. Satan divides and God unites. We'll see that as we go through. So because Satan wanted to be like God and sinned, God sent him to our earth. We weren't here yet, but it's our earth where we live. And this earth where we live this morning became a battlefield between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Now man was created and came to this earth. Adam was created in, you're going to hear this word for the first time, but you hear it a lot more today, in oneness with God. He was united with God. There was no sin in Adam's life. They were one, united. God unites. When he came without sin, you remember it wasn't long before Satan said, what I did in heaven, I'm going to do on earth. And he came and he tempted Adam and Eve. They sinned. They also decided to live independent from God. By the way, if you're not a Christian this morning, that's what your decision has been. I will live, I will serve myself. But you have to realize you're not serving yourself. You're serving Satan. There's only two kingdoms. So Adam and Eve said, I will and we will, we're going to serve ourselves, really Satan. They sinned and Satan once again did what he did in heaven, but this time he did it on earth and he divided Adam and Eve 
and their oneness from God. You see, sin always destroys oneness. Now, from that time on, man was living in the Garden of Eden. But when sin came, listen now, man moved in to Satan's house. Now, it isn't only Adam that's there. Every single person that's born is not born in oneness with God. They are born oneness with Satan because of sin. And they live in Satan's house. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, that's where you live. You're in Satan's house. Now, what was Jesus saying? Well, it shouldn't surprise you this morning that Satan's goal is to divide. Remember John 10.10, 10, I've come to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. He, he hits his goal. He did very well. By the way, he's still doing very well today. So it shouldn't surprise you that's what Satan's doing. But look what Jesus says. Look at back at verse 28. Very important for you to see this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. All the sins and the blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. Jesus was announcing to the crowd and the Pharisees that if man would confess his sins and repent, change his way of living, and follow Jesus, that man could find forgiveness for his sins and could be once again reunited with God in oneness. Now, in my notes, I put two things. Wow, wow. Why? What does this mean? Jesus was announcing defeat for this kingdom of Satan. I have to say to you this morning, if I didn't have that verse that we just read, it'd be very difficult to be a pastor. Because you could come in to this congregation or to a counseling session and you would name off some sins. And I would say, it's on that list of unforgivable sins. I wish I could offer you hope, but you've committed something on that list. What does Jesus say? Scratch out the list. There is no sin you've ever created. There is no lifestyle that you've ever created, that you've lived in, that if you will come and do three things. Number one, confess. I'm separated from you, God. I'm not God, as you can read in the newspaper today. Come and find out why you're God. If you're God, God help us. If I'm God, God help us. By the way, when they're in a car accident, they don't cry out, Oh, me! <laughs> Who do they cry out to? You got it. So I have to confess that I am separated. Secondly, I have to repent. If I was walking this way, repent means I turn around and I walk this way. Now, I just don't walk this way for no reason at all. That's the third point. The reason I walk this way is because I'm following Jesus Christ. That's the major key, the problem with people who have come to the altar, signed a card, did whatever. They go home, they have this little experience, and then they never follow Jesus Christ. And our question is, can they be lost? Our question should really be, were they ever saved? We were briefly reminded today that salvation is a free gift from God. There's nothing we can do to earn it. But does that mean that good works aren't a part of the equation? Certainly not. You see, our works will never save us. They will never make us more righteous than any other person. 
However, good works come as a result of God's grace in our lives. It's part of the fruit that we bear when we have a changed heart. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark will share with us ways we can work through issues in our marriages. First and foremost, when we have issues, that means that there's sin involved, somewhere, somehow. So it's a good idea to seek the Father both individually and corporately. Secondly, don't forget that husbands and wives are brothers and sisters in Christ. You should treat each other with love and respect. Your spouse is not your enemy. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.